0: Hello, I'm Glyn Fussell and welcome to We Can Be Heroes. In this podcast, I get to know creative misfits, underdogs, wild rebels and those people who have stuck one giant middle finger up to society and live life their way. I can't wait to introduce you to some people who embody what it means to be absolute champions. So prepare yourself as we dive in and meet some amazing individuals who have inspired, stood up for change and say, I am here. This week's hero is one of the hardest working humans I've ever met. I've always known the world that I wanted to be in and where I wanted to be creative. With an iconic silhouette that can be seen from outer space, she has built one hell of a career and reputation for being the life and soul of the party. When I'm on a stage and there's like 5,000 people in front of me, fabulous, love it. She's the ultimate shapeshifter, moving through life effortlessly as a promoter, DJ, it girl, artist and producer all bound together by a hell of a lot of hairspray. Raise a glass and raise your wig, please. It's the Queen of Clubs, Jodie Harsh. Oh, I love it. How was that, What friend? a nice intro. Did you like that?
1: Yeah, I don't like hearing intros normally because you get be like, oh, but that was,
0: that was nice. And I mentioned in that that what you do, a lot of what you do, it feels from the outside very effortless. But I know that's not true. So I want to know what goes into making Jodie Harsh who Jodie Harsh is, as we see.
1: I think everyone always, see, you know, what you see on Instagram or what you know, like throwing parties, yeah. people just think you open the doors and th- literally throw a party. Mm. But I always think of people like us, creatives, we're kind of like ducks, sort of swimming very peacefully on the water, but underneath mm. it's like, ah, so like that. And there's like, Or is it swans or something, like paddling really fast under the water because there's a lot of work goes into making, making fun for other people or making a nice bit of escape foot for other people.
0: But you've got another layer on top of that because most promoters rock up in a tracksuit. You have the whole aesthetic as well. So do you ever feel that pressure? You go, oh, God, I've now got to go and do the full look as well because that's a lot. And that's why I stepped out of doing looks mm. because it's enough stress and chaos already without yeah. a wig. Well, I do think it's easy for me... On one side, because
1: I don't have to think about what I'm going to look like. I just have the one look, which oh, yeah, is obviously... the uniform. I have the uniform. It's obviously very on purpose. Like, I, I can't just afford one wig or whatever. Yeah. I get comments sometimes on Instagram, like, get a new wig. And it's like, that's not the point. But um, I do enjoy that uniform aspect of my look. I've worked out what's, what suits me. It's this silhouette. It's this style. It's yeah. this same makeup. And that's, I rock up in that look. And so I can get ready quite quickly. That's... I think I've got down to an absolute T now. It's very rare that I would, like, make mistakes or, like, have to restart an eye or something. So, actually, it's not too much effort. But I will say that being in drag or being in a look is uncomfortable. And you can't really let on that you're in pain because that's not fun for other people to to witness. So, you know, with the head hurting or the the feet hurting or the eyelashes getting in or just a muck all over your face, you know... It's not that comfortable, is it? It's wild,
0: isn't it? Because your job as someone that throws parties and the work that you do is to make everybody else feel as comfortable (laughs) as possible when you're covered in blisters. Absolutely. And, th- and it's more about the other people
1: having a good time than it is about me being comfortable or having a nice time. But I will say my point is that I'll I'm probably the first to leave and <laughs> go home and take your life. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: How many wigs are in the Jodie Hosh collection? Because I've been in your dressing room and yeah. I, I I remember coming and, and it blowing me away. It's about 25. Get out! Yeah, and some of them are in storage
1: now. And so I think there's probably more. There's about 25 on, on circulation. This one's a little bit different. This one's like quite short. And I can tell. So much difference in every wig. She's Tuesday.
0: She, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We we got letters for them now. Like oh. you know, wig like F. Can we get a restyle on week F? Because like the you know, it's getting a bit matted. It's a bit. It's like a dreadlock underneath. You know, so we do we do that. But um, they don't have like individual names or anything. No one else would be able to tell
0: any difference. No. Well, I borrowed one once. We'll get to that later. Oh my yeah, God. we'll get to that later. You did. Yes. Ah. I, I've also never given that back, so we probably shouldn't get to that. later Have you still got that? Um, no. No comment. <laughs> I've known you, like I said, for over a decade. And the one thing that I've always admired and just been totally in awe of is your steely determination. I mean, it's mm. so laser sharp and your ambition. And I want to know where that comes from, because I know where you do come from, mm. you know, where you were born. And yeah. you weren't born into this. You no, weren't born into the wig. I'm not from a showbiz family. So and where, not- where did that come from? How did you get to that place? Well
1: I grew up in Canterbury in Kent which is really lovely but really boring and I got lots of little tastes of London. We'd come up to London quite a lot when I was a kid and see a West End show or or whatever and I I remember being in Soho at like 11 years old walking through to go to like see Les Mis or something just thinking oh this is where I want to be. So I've always had like you say a laser sharp focus on where I want to be geographically and I, I guess my work determination because I, I just I've always been super creative I was a bit of a loner when I was a kid and so I was always like drawing pictures or making things I actually used to like sketch women with really big hair and really big boobs wow. and really big lips <laughs> kind of like kind of like Pamela Anderson or something I was obsessed with Pamela Anderson and so I've always been super creative I Wanted to be an actor then I wanted to work in fashion and I've always wanted to do stuff like with my hands or entertaining people basically and nice things to look at and my reference points I've always been so obsessed with pop culture and music and, and, you know, loads of different artists and loads of, you know, Andy Warhol and that, that kind of stuff ever since I was a kid. And so I've always sort of known the world that I wanted to be in and what, where I wanted to be creative. And then I guess when I came out as gay, which was completely by mistake, I can tell you that story if you want to hear it, but my, yeah, so I, I was outed by a school teacher, by headmaster.
0: I didn't know. Headmaster this about at my school. You. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'll tell you the story wow. and then I, and I'll tell you how that leads to my my steely determination. So when I was about 14 years old at secondary school, I went to stage school in London because I wanted to be like a dancer or in West End shows or whatever. So I. I'm in London. I'm boarding for a bit and I've got great fake ID and I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to like GAY at the Astoria oh, and stuff. Hanging out with all the wrong people, getting up to mischief and I'm, but you know, I look back now and I'm like, wow, I was a kid. My parents had absolutely no idea and I was very open with my friends at school and you know, like, oh, I went out on the weekend and you know, I was partied and went to GAY and like got with this guy who was like <laughs> three times my age yeah. or whatever like you know I look back now I'm like wow that's but you know a, a tale is time right Exactly. and so I think a group of my friends were quite concerned and they told a school teacher and this school teacher decided to tell my parents I think out of concern wow. and um, I remember getting home one Friday and we drove to McDonald's we'd never have McDonald's for dinner and I thought, oh, this is weird. Something weird's going on. And then we dropped my sister off at my nan's house. And I was thinking, why is she staying at my nan's house for the night? Ooh. This is really weird. I got home. My mum and dad were sat on the sofa opposite me and basically like, cornered me and like interviewed me about my life. And, and it was awful. Everyone was crying. And I was just like, I'm, not, I'm having the best time of my life. I am who I am. And my parents had never known anyone gay before. Apart from, you know, someone on EastEnders who had AIDS. At the time or so, you know, that was their only touchstone, you know. I I relate to that Yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: I was dragged out of the closet. So leading on to the point about my my determination, I then lived in the same house as my dad for a couple more years before my parents got divorced. I think really I was the catalyst of that divorce because my mum sort of stayed on team me and my dad did not want to go son, wrote me a letter, essentially disowning me while we still lived under the same roof, just saying like he wished I wasn't queer whatever actually use the term queer i think and not in a not in the the way that we would use it you know the way that we've reclaimed it and um so we still lived we still stayed living together and then eventually my parents got divorced and then a few years later i'm living in london i'm doing drag i'm suddenly starting to get a bit of a name for myself i appear on some tv show my dad's remarried at this point right um i appear on some tv show some like fashion thing just doing a challenge or setting a challenge or something like that. And my dad turned to his wife, who knew about me, and he said, is that my son? And she said, yes. And from that day on, we've never
0: spoken. So so I think, you know, it's more his problem do than you, it is mine. Do you think then that you've taken, and I think that this is quite a, a reoccurring story, with a lot of people actually that mm. I speak to on this podcast is that a lot of the hardships, a lot of the those hardest moments, those moments where they people have been chastised the mm. most, a lot of people I've spoken to have flipped that to make that their determination. That's exactly what I've done. In a, in a way, it, they're saying... Fuck you! I'm going yeah. to prove you proving wrong. Exactly, proving
1: that I can be successful. And my dad's missed out on so much. I mean, he used to go to Glastonbury every year. I've played Glastonbury. He used to, you know, watch the watch the football every. You know, I've I've played Wembley Stadium. You know, I, there's all these things that my dad has just Such missed out on. It in, in you know, really. yeah. And um, but I really um, yeah. It definitely is where my determination. Came from, and I don't think about it much. I was, I say to my family at Christmas actually, because still, I'm still in touch with my mum So, oh, I, you know, I'm very I close to that. my mum and sister. Yeah. And I have, I've said, you think I should get back in, in touch with with dad? And they have just gone, don't bother, just don't bother. I'd hate to, go, you know, because my dad, I don't know, my dad's maybe he's approaching seventy. I'd hate to have to go to my dad's funeral and think, I wish we got back in touch.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a tricky one, that. But, you know, I feel that the decisions that you made, in some way, your dad's played an impact on that. Not mm. in the right way, but yeah. the success that you've become. Isn't that wild yeah. that sometimes those moments in life where, because I've had it before, where someone that I looked up to absolutely shot me down Mm. in a moment that was really pivotal in my Mm. life and I've used that as my ammo that's exactly it it's using
1: it and I've always been such a rebel anyway and so I really I've rebelled against my dad in that sort of abandonment and I've showed him and stuff so in in some sort of weird way I'm thankful that I was given that don't you think drag is the ultimate rebellion absolutely it's such a
0: punk move I think 100%
1: absolutely so you know you can't change your past no and you can't choose your family and it is what it is. Just to use three cliches in one go. Love but that. You yeah. know, I am where I am. Put, and that,
0: put that on the teaser tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, in my wise words. You, you can't choose your family. You mentioned before about creating this identity, creating yeah. your persona, which is, I would say, when you look at drag, when you look at, um, I can say this, musical artists, pop stars, because that's where yeah. you are now. Yeah. I would say that yours is so distinctive. You yeah. could, You could literally... Form a silhouette of it, and somebody would know, yeah. which is genius. Yeah. Are there moments where you look at that, at your aesthetic, at this identity, this character that you created, and you can literally pull out cultural inspiration for it? Are there, you know, you talked before about loving Warhol, Pamela Anderson, and yeah, Warhol? Totally. So, so where do, c- can you look at that and go, "Oh, that's where that comes from"? Yeah, I think the whole always
1: looking the same and being blonde and all these kind of features. Definitely come from me appreciating people like Warhol or, you know, Anna Wintour. I, Donatella. Definitely a bit of Donatella. Yeah. Loads of blonde bombshells. And yeah, for sure, there's sort of little cultural reference points in it. But also, I just worked out kind of what suits me. This makeup suits my face shape. This hair, having a fringe suits suits my face shape. Yeah. It's easy. It's like, I don't know, it's distinctive.
0: I mean, if, if there's one thing I know about you other than your steely determination is your work ethic. It's yeah. unbelievable. You want to work every night of the week. Yeah. So every I, I try day, every, every, well. <laughs> every second of every day. Um, and obviously we spoke quite a lot over the pandemic. Yeah. And I want to talk about that because how do you stay as this sort of unbelievable dreamer and, and determined and focused when yeah. the world is falling apart around you? And how, and how did yeah. that impact on you? Um, it impacted me a lot because we'd built
1: up so much stuff i just started my proper artist project where i was releasing music without features and it's not me making stuff for other people writing songs for other people it was jody harsh music it was my artist project we'd started that about six months before with song called tuesday and you know there was this sort of new team that was forming around me and i had been with my management for about a year or so we had this like grand plan for what we were going to do through through the year now i'm in bed with covid just getting email updates every day of all these amazing plans that we'd had for the summer just coming out of my calendar. Of course, a lot of people had it a lot worse. I'm not going to, you know, pretend, you know, like, poor me. But for sure, as a creative, unable to fulfil my work, Commitment, as none of us could, and
0: losing all the stuff I'd been working towards. Did you have that moment? I know that I did. I kept comparing it to snakes and ladders. I felt like I'd been working my ass off, working my way to the top of the board, and I'd gone right back to oh, the beginning. Totally. And My fear was that when the world, if it does, reopen back up, am yeah. I right back at the bottom? Is yeah. everything that I've done before void? Absolutely. It, definitely that. And also thinking like, people
1: are having the worst time of their lives is this is it right to do a stream i know is it right to do a friday night dancing around your living room people are literally dying but i definitely thought that for people like us and what we do i thought i'm literally here to entertain that's what i do whether that's through music or a party or a dj set or whatever I'm kind of here to make to bring a little bit of joy into people's lives. So I did feel like I really have to like focus on that and do that in new ways, like we all did. I didn't want to be DJing to my fucking phone in the corner of my living room on a Friday night, isn't it? With the tracksuit on underneath and like bare feet. But I think
0: it's it's, so grim. (laughs) I think the only way you get through that is because you're not also taking into consideration that there's a level of loneliness that comes with that. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Your only outlet is on a Zoom call. Totally. Um, What a bonkers thing the last two years has been. How did you? Keep your optimism. Oh, I'm great at faking optimism as yeah. well. You oh, there you To go. make it.
1: Yeah. Faking optimism is an extremely useful skill when
0: you're an entertainer. We call it faking it till you're making it, but the, the more enlightened call it manifesting. Manifesting. <laughs> you know, oh, it's that same new word, that new phrase. It's the same thing. Yeah. Isn't and, it? But, and at what
1: point do you, start, do you sit back and go, right, I've made it? Never. Because right. we're insecure, creative people. There's never a day when you or I are going to wake up and go, that's it, we did it done maybe on certain projects but I don't know about the overall arc of like what
0: we're here to what we put on this earth to do it's wild isn't it that level of satisfaction because I don't know about you but what did that look like when you were small and in Canterbury what was success look like to you I could say something like really
1: sort of like <laughs> dreamy, like just being myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what really, it really look like? <laughs> being on private jets. <laughs> yeah, Dior. Hanging out with Madonna. <laughs> and, and have that. you done both? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, <laughs> uh, what, what was my, um, my vision of success when I was younger? Definitely to be a performer and for that to be a successful thing that I can live on.
0: And to be in London... Yeah. And to Yeah, to entertain. I'm gonna say something here, you know, and I've said this to you in private, but I'm saying it publicly. You don't need to be putting on club nights anymore. You know, and I've said this to you so many times because you have a record deal. Yeah. You're putting out singles on mainstream radio around yeah. the United Kingdom. And, yeah. and it's amazing. It's everything you wanted to achieve. Yeah. You don't need to be doing club nights. So why no. does clubbing why is it so connected to your heart?
1: I've always loved the The notion of a nightclub and a space where you could go and have an adventure and escape normality. And, you know, you're writing a story that night and you don't know what's going to happen. And it really isn't an adventure. And you're going to see colourful characters and you're going to be introduced to new music and you're going to get off with someone and and whatever is the not knowing. And that's what I absolutely love about clubs. So I stopped doing clubs for a while and focused on DJing. But in the pandemic, I was just like, I feel like it's my, almost my duty just to do one more. It's the last club I'll do that's not like a Jody Harsh brand. Yeah, This is the last thing I'll do that's like creating a club brand.
0: I feel like you're very good. And if I think about a kind of line of dialogue that I hear you say when we're in a club is, come with me. Oh, really? It's very you. Yeah, you're very good at grabbing someone's hand and leading them. and take, It's weird that you just said adventure because I... Yeah. That really resonates with me. I've seen you do it to yeah. that new, amazing, straight from Canterbury queer kid that's just arrived. Totally, who's being a bit adventurous with the look. And it's powerful. It's to- really powerful.
1: It's powerful, but I, and I do love hanging out with like the the new people in town, and uh, and like old friends who can come down for a dance and and hearing music that's being played and and stuff. I
0: I do I love being plugged into that into that world. Do you think there's a level of curation that goes into it? Because it's the one pure thing. Curation. And the one thing that you've been very good at over the years is curating a dance floor. Yeah. And that and and it can be anyone from that kid that comes from mm. Canterbury. But the one thing that you've always been very very good at from the beginning, from the jump, is the understanding of celebrity culture mm. but also how to play with it. Mm-hmm. So how much of an impact has that had on the clubs that you've created and why do you think that you've been such a master at that
1: i don't know because i kind of feel like they kind of come to me i've always been interested in the cult of celebrity yeah and just the way that people idolize people or appreciate super creatives and, and and so it is fun to play with it and plus the famous people that i know are just my friends or people that I've grown up with, anyone anyway, known for ten years anyway. You know, like Warhol loved it. It's quite Warholian, isn't it? Yeah. A sort of like cult of celebrity.
0: Do you think this because you're not taking it too seriously? I don't, definitely don't take it seriously. Have you? Is there ever been a point that you've taken it too seriously? Not only it with these people, but as your celebrity has grown, you ever got lost in how? you want people to treat you or how how you see yourself? Well, I can switch it on and off, which I think is a really good thing. It's called a wig. It's
1: called a wig and it's called not putting boy pictures up. And it's called being, I'm so detached from my, like, I'm I'm out at a thing or at an event or on a stage. I literally turn it on and off like Hannah Montana, (laughs) which works for me so well because I want to be respected for what I do and I think I am now and I want my work and the things that I create to reach a wide audience. Mm. I love that. For myself and because I like the work that I'm making on, on Wanna Present and also just for the queer kid from Canterbury like yeah. me. I want to be played on the fucking radio and people to know the song for those kids who are me when I was... 12 years old and didn't have a meter and of course there are other reference points now as well you what things like drag race being on the BBC and all all these things and what you guys do and stuff it's so it's so huge and 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 the sort of the queer world is so much bigger and there's such a bigger platform you know I hate to use that phrase but I love the fact that when I'm out working entertaining performing doing my thing my ego can get stroked a little bit and you do the pictures yeah. and I'm like, I'm on stage and all that kind of stuff. But I can switch it off and I'm really, and you know me, you
0: know me well, both ways. this is... I'm so I'm, normal. am so normal and, and I really don't so care about... you. When we meet mm. and, you know, you show very few people yeah. who you are when which the week comes up. Very very private. And you are so normal, yeah. very private. Yeah. But more than that, you are that boy from Canterbury, mm. which I always love and it just fascinates me because I... When, you know, when I used to dress up, I would say that they were both the same. One kind of ate the other a little bit. But, yeah. but you have managed to create quite a bipolar existence. Totally. And
1: sometimes that is a little bit of a head fuck. But I think what I'm trying to say is that I want to be respected and, you know, have the nice things that go along with being like a famous DJ or whatever. But I don't want to be famous. I, I don't want to go to Tesco's. Okay, I don't want to go to Waitrose.
0: Ah! I don't, full stop. Period. When, when looking, I when don't looking want to for a Quiche <laughs> Lorraine, I don't want to be bothered.
1: I don't want to go to Waitrose. I know people coming up to me asking for pictures, and and I don't want to be papped down the street. Of course, walking my dog.
0: Oh my god,
1: no! It's not what I'm interested in. It's not. It's not. It isn't a part of me that um, I'm super private. Until I'm sort of out, ready to. You know, drag entertain. queens really
0: got it right, didn't they? Yeah,
1: but on Drag Race, they show themselves oh, both ways. Go, yeah. I've hung out with friends mm. that are on Drag Race, and that we, you know, Correct. we're at a coffee shop in the middle of the day, and they've got like five people coming up the tables, and I just think they've got no idea who I am because I'm just sat there in a baseball cap. Yeah, and I just think, and I'm not like, wow, I wish I had people coming up to me in a coffee yeah. shop. I sit there thinking, rather you than me, mate. That yes. that literally. I was trying to have a fucking coffee in a conversation. I was with Tom Daly the other day and we were like at the gym and like people were like so everyone because everyone loves Tom Daly, Of course. Everyone was and by the way yes I do work out with Tom Daley and yes that is body goals <laughs> and it really drives me to like work because I am You are on the high dive. My body is I was like, just yeah. about to
0: take a high dive with yeah. Tom Daly. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and like so many people come up. people literally don't even say oh excuse me one second they just Interrupt our conversation. Push you out the way. Push me out the way. Start talking
0: to him. And and he's just like, I'm sorry. And I just I don't want that. Who wants to be sweating in the gym? No. Bright red face and have somebody come up and want to talk to you? That's no!
1: yeah, yeah, no. that's crazy. No, but don't get me wrong, when I'm on a stage and there's like
0: five thousand people in front of me for an hour and a half, fab. Yeah, fabulous. Love it. Going back to Clubland around every corner there are temptations and perils and downfalls and you have to be very strict with yourself and I know for myself, I've fallen Mm. very hard at times. How are you still here? How have you Mm. navigated all of those downfalls? Alcohol, drugs, Mm. wild sex. Of course, oh, I've downfall d- for world sex. But, <laughs> but how have you done that and come out the other side still with a really successful career and respected? Because I made a conscious decision years ago that I shouldn't be the most fucked up person in the room.
1: And I've certainly indulged so, yeah. you know, for a big chunk of my life. And I d- absolutely don't judge people that do super indulge. But it didn't work for me. It's not the look. right? They don't want to see me, like... <laughs> I just, I just worked out that if if I want to be successful, I can't be doing hangovers. I can't, I can't be or, brandon block in a wig. I can't. I can't. No. And I don't know. I just. St- it stopped being fun. You know. Yeah. If it stops being fun, why keep doing it? So there was definitely a point where I was like, oh, actually, I know how my life can and will be fun. Do
0: you find that it's more for myself that the responsibility of the club and what I've created is bigger than the responsibility to have fun for myself? Totally. You step out of it and you go, oh, I'm now just steering the ship. Steering the ship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't, I
1: don't think I can DJ if I'm all fucked up. Some people can. Really works for some people. Some DJs, absolutely, you know, they get fucked up and they just play a a great set. I don't think that's me. I used to... (laughs) get fucked up so play a couple of records and be like someone else come take over I want to just
0: be on the dance floor
1: yeah. and I don't think that's the one you know
0: well she's got a record deal she can not be doing that no absolutely how else do you in this chaos of your life how do you keep hold of that self-care routine and and you know, mentally and physically yeah because it is a mad life there is a whole list of things that I
1: have to have otherwise everything falls apart and it's so basic I need eight hours sleep a night yeah. yeah. If I have any less than eight hours to sleep, you know, a seven, I guess I can get by on. If I have like four or five hours, you don't want to be Loopy around town. me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it affects my mental health big time. I get yeah. super depressed if I'm like really tired, as loads of people do. Eating well is such a nightmare for me. But I try to eat well. But it's stuff like having real friends around you. I don't surround myself with cunts. Like my my real friends are my real friends. Yeah, some of them are in the public eye. Loads of them are. Most of them aren't. And I can be like on the phone to them like after coming off stage and I'm like hyped up from, from my show and they're just talking about what their day was and, and, and not we're just catching up. Yeah. And a nice treat, once, a nice massage once a week. I love a, a lovely massage. It's like little, you love a bit of cupping. I love a bit of cupping and a yes, massage. She does. You know, like a nice thing yeah. to do. Some people might like go and play golf. I don't know. Or like, I like a nice massage. and like me time, and and I like music. I like my candles, and and I just like that nice little moment for me where I can just
0: like be like super indulgent for. But, and but you know, you say indulgent. Isn't that wild? There's something I've really, um, I really struggled with just taking any moment of mm. indulgence. Yeah. And recently, I I just I. Absolutely adore going and getting clicked. For instance, oh, the chiropractor. Going to the chiropractor. Love it. Yeah, I want to be great. lifted up by a strong yeah. man and clicked like yeah. a Rubik's cube. Yeah, that's what I want. And I love candles. I've, I've yeah. got a thing about smells. Yeah. But I thirty minutes of that, yeah. and I feel like I'm back feel to feel me. amazing.
1: Like my look, that I'm good at switching on and off, and my and my, and my work. Um, persona or whatever whatever you want to say. Um, I'm also really good at switching off with like a nice holiday and stuff. And I, I love to go on holiday by myself and just have a That's nice... way, isn't yeah, it? Just
0: detach from... What do you I'm, do when you're on your own? Sit
1: by some like nice water and read, uh, re, you know, Paul War the Sea and read a book and... Jackie Collins, all the way. Some, read Jackie Collins <laughs> with, with a huge sun hat and like, you know, like some healthy food and just like chill, walk along the beach or go on a cycle around let's you know go like if I'm in a beef or something like it's amazing places to cycle it's yeah. just really normal things this sounds so cheesy but you know like like a cycle around nature pretty amazing
0: so we touched on music before obviously yeah. when I first met you you were DJing throwing parties and now you are a, a celebrated recording artist which yeah. I'm I just love that. Yeah. It's hard, I love it? that. Oh, and what I love about it is that there was no question in your mind that was going to happen. How do you tune into that self-belief? It's because, that laser focus, isn't but it? But everybody's trying to, sh- we live in a life, yeah. we live in a world where people are always trying to shoot that down. Yeah. So many near misses, so many
1: almosts. You just have to sort of be as strong as you possibly can in your head and keep working. And if the work's really good, it will get noticed by the right people if you if you put it out there. And it is just that determination, and there's no other option. Like, I had to get music out to people. I
0: had to do it. Like, that's what I'm here to do. It's like that scene from Sister Act Two where Whoopi Goldberg says to, her- I was going to say Lauren Harry's, different. Yeah. Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Lauren. But <laughs> she says to Lauren Hill, "If you wake up thinking about singing every day, girl, you're a singer." Yeah, there you it's go. It's kind of yeah. true. If you feel it, it has to happen. Yeah, there you Excuse go. Excuse the Lauren yeah. Harry's moment. Yeah. There. <laughs> so drag right now, obviously, as we know, is is it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's the new counterculture. It's in the mainstream, totally. and it's 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 very interesting for me, and I'm sure it is for you that. For the longest time, we were very much in the underground. Totally. And it was very left of centre. Yeah, completely. And, I, and you know, a couple of people on the last series, Bimini and Skin, We, you know, we we spoke so much about the prominence of drag in the mainstream. So how has that shift affected your relationship with drag? Because, you know, you're not part of this new wave that's come up. You've been yeah. around a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think from a bigger picture point of view, I think it's amazing. Again, going back to like the kids, you know, like if I was growing up mm. and there was Drag Race on TV and I could just, and I could sneak and watch that, it would be, my life would be probably different. You know, as a kid, I'd, f- I'd feel differently about myself or whatever. Mm. Oh, look, there's people like me, just queer people on TV. I'm not even talking about drag now, that representation. Um, because I think when we were growing up, queer
0: stuff was quite negative. Oh, you know, yeah. it was like, Stephen
1: Gately's gay
0: on the cover of the or you papers. Were, you were that, that gay kid in casualty that was being beaten to death or it, you were someone dying on his standards of, of AIDS. Of AIDS. And it was,
1: it was really only negative stuff. And so as a, as a sort of 13 year old hitting puberty and, th- and sort of going, oh my God, I'm different right. to these other kids. Oh my God, I fancy boys. Oh my God, I fancy my classmate and that's a boy. Um, There there was no real touchstone person. There was no real reference point that I could the clasp onto in mainstream media that made it feel okay to be like that. Whereas now, with things like Drag Race and all the other amazing things, it's so important for kids, for young people, for their lives to feel better when they're other
0: to see that there's another world out there that looks however they want it to look because totally the creativity. And the community behind drag, I think, is the wonderful thing. And I agree, totally. the mainstream. You know, there, there's a lot of things that go against what what I love about drag—the mm. kind of unruliness, the commercialism, the no- of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. But but it's it's nothing but a positive. I mean, I it, I think it's posi- I think it's super positive. What What blows my mind is I just keep thinking when something grows and grows and grows like drag is right now. Yeah everything has to hit the glass ceiling what does ha- it though well, well, what happens from, then and i don't will it know
1: i don't know if it really will i think we're kind of queer as i a today i don't know i just think you, we're in a i don't know we don't know do we but i don't think it's gonna go anywhere i think it's here to say there are too many people that have been made famous by drag race all over the world for us in 10 years time to go oh yeah do you remember when drag queens are famous no it's it's absolutely that that counterculture is here to to stay in well and truly in the spotlight now. I think, and it isn't just Drag Race. You know, it's like Pablo Vitar. Yeah. it's like the fucking biggest the biggest artist in Brazil. It's insane. Yeah.
0: Like it, this, this this is culture. I feel like we're part of a queer revolution that is. Queer is almost become a trend. It's it's this new thing that... Or is it is
1: cool, you mean? Or it's is cool. Acceptable?
0: Well, a trend in in a youth trend, I'm talking, because mm. my friend's kids, for instance, from Bristol, that would never understand the work that I do. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I go down and they celebrate that by putting drag on. Yeah. Girls, young boys, they're yeah. excited by it. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, it feels acceptable for them because they see it, because of the visibility visibility exactly i think it's an amazing thing yeah will there ever be a day that you step out you dj you produce without the wig on i think so
1: yeah oh my that it's is it's not something i'm thinking is wild be, to yeah. me it's not something i'm thinking anytime soon but i do also want to look this exact way for like another 50 years like <laughs> cuz like you know, there'll be facelifts at some point.
0: <laughs> you know, like hey, you got a whole wig to hide all of that ah, pulling
1: underneath. Absolutely, I could do some amazing <laughs> things with the contour. But will I ever um, yeah, for sure. But there's this like whole long running thing with DJs in masks as well. You know, look at Daft Punk, and look yeah. at I don't know, Marshmallow and all these like all these other people where it sort of is a thing where sometimes the DJ, the person playing the music to the crowd or making dance music and electronic music is hidden and I don't think it creates a disconnect with people with fans or with with people listening or people partying there I don't think you know it should but I don't think it does like they're putting this mask or this wall up it's sort of I don't know it's um, I, I really I like it but would I one day take it all off let's cross that bridge when we come to it I'll be on series 400 of this like, and I'll be like 93 (laughs) years old and I'll be going I'm still doing it I mean maybe one day I don't know I don't know I don't know
0: maybe not I don't know I want you to I love that moment I love that moment of Demi Drag when you come out and play a (laughs) glockenspiel I don't know I don't know oh I don't know it's too much of a big question we'll see (gasps) yeah has been this has been gorgeous it's been lovely it's just been nice to catch up because I've not know, seen you in so long we've been trying to have a breakfast I for ages I know we did it with microphones that's so fine <laughs> bring in the pancakes
1: yeah <laughs>